the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you have a Bible or if you're taking notes, we have a, a bulletin. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be reading uh, portions of, of uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 20, as we go through the, the sermon points this morning. One of the most common techniques law enforcement uh, officers use to elicit uh, a confession from a suspect uh, is this thing called the good cop, bad cop routine. It's when one officer will come in and interrogate a suspect using high-pressure techniques and even threatening uh, violence in order to uh, uh, bring out a confession uh, from the suspect. While the other officer comes in and does these nice things <laughs> to the suspect, trying to offer them, uh, you know, refreshments, uh, offer them, um, you know, uh, something uh, that will help them relax. And that's also used to elicit that confession. I apologize if I use that analogy, but that's exactly what we're doing here this morning. This morning is not just about singing songs of praise. This morning is not just about uh, making sure that we give God um, the glory due His name uh, by listening to the sermon or singing these songs of praise. What's happening here this morning is much more than that. When you come to worship, your soul and my soul is being interrogated by the Spirit. This is actually an interrogation session. You cannot and I cannot come to a worship service expecting just to feel good. We have to come out of this experience being comforted by the Spirit, but also being convicted. Both has to happen. Because there's something much more profound going on in our midst than just the activity or the tradition or the ritual of singing praises to the Lord. The Spirit of God is here. Amen? And when the Spirit of God is, there is comfort. There is conviction. Because the soul is being interrogated. You didn't come here this morning for your bodies. You came here for your soul. And that's what we do. I just want to emphasize that because sometimes worship services can be so mechanical. They can be so routine. They can be so uh, much of the same things over and over again that we forget that the Spirit of God inhabits the praises of His people. And that, that habitation involves dealing with with the very depths of what's inside each and every one of us. I think it was Josh McDowell who, who coined the question, if someone accuses you of being a Christian, will you be found guilty? And I think that's relevant and that's a good thing to always remind ourselves that we are in fact confessing our faith in Jesus and our soul is confessing that we are God's children the soul gets interrogated. 
every time we praise the name of Jesus, every time we sing these songs, you know. That's why pay attention to the, to the words that we're singing. You know, we sing contemporary songs and we sing sometimes traditional songs. We still sing hymns in this church. But regardless of the style of music, regardless of what it is we're singing, pay attention to the words because those words that we are expressing, the Holy Spirit can use to interrogate what's really in the inside of each and every person. Preaching is supposed to do that as well. You're going to be hearing sermons, you know, Sunday in, Sunday out. And what is sermon supposed to do? You know, statistics says that you and I forget everything we hear within 48 hours. So chances are when you leave here today by Tuesday, none of this will enter your mind anymore. But as we listen to the pro proclamation of the Word, we need to be aware that the Spirit of God is doing something in the inside of us. We're being interrogated, you know. We're, we, there's, there are certain things that the Spirit of God will do because as we praise God, as we hear the Word of God, the work of the Spirit takes place. In Ephesians, the Bible says that the Word of God is a sword. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay? So uh, regardless of the preacher, <laughs> listen to the word of God. I have absolutely no power to influence anything or anybody. But I trust that the Spirit of God will speak to us every time we come together for the purpose of worship. And worship is not just the singing part. Worship is the praising part. Worship is the praying part. Worship is the preaching part. It is the sword of the Spirit. It's one of the weapons that we have, the Word of God is. So don't just come to hear the Word, okay, to be comforted and encouraged but also receive conviction from the Word. Receive, the, you know, an exposition of, our, of what's really in the inside of us when we hear the Word of God. Biblical exposition is designed not just to expound the truth, but to expose the heart. God is not just interested in making us happy, He's also interested in making us holy. That's what it means to receive the word of God with gladness. In the parable of the soils in Matthew chapter 13, there's only one type of soil that the Bible speaks about. It's the good soil that receives the word of God with gladness. So I encourage you and I this morning, when we come together, allow the Spirit of God to speak to us as God's children. He's not going to speak to anyone who doesn't belong to the family of God. He, doesn't, he speaks in a different way to unbelievers. And he speaks a different way to those who belong to him. The Holy Spirit gives us power to live our lives, to confess our faith in Jesus, to have a testimony that belongs to the Lord. You know, we see this in action in the, in the passages that we're about to, uh, to read this morning. It's in Acts chapter 4. Uh, let me just give you a little bit of a background on how this thing took place. Jesus already rose from the dead. He already showed himself to his disciples. The Holy Spirit has already descended on the day of Pentecost 50 days later. 
And so we find that the, the disciples were proclaiming the good news. They were proclaiming the gospel. They were preaching the, the risen Christ. And the, the religious establishment of their day didn't like that. Uh, they were threatened by the message, okay? They were threatened because they're, they're beginning to feel like they're losing control of their hold on the people. And that's what the Holy Spirit's ministry is, to give clarity to our testimony, to give to give uh, confirmation, to give power to the testimony that we have as followers of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's work in our life. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we hear these terms, you know, sometimes at church, you know, are you filled with the Spirit? What does that mean? And, 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 and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What does a Spirit-filled life testimony of our faith in Jesus, what does it really look like? And how do we know we are filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay? And so that's what we're going to talk about. And it's seen very dramatically in this passage. There are three characteristics of a Spirit-filled testimony. Three of, three of them only. And I'm sure some of you are happy there's only three. You know, it could, be, it could be seven points this morning, but you're fortunate this morning that we only have three. The three characteristics of a Spirit-filled life and a Spirit-filled testimony, okay? Your life, by the way, when you are born again, when you become a Christian, your life is your testimony, okay? It's uniquely your own. You have a story to tell. I have a story to tell of my encounter with the gospel, of my encounter with the risen Lord. And that's no different from what we're going to be reading from the disciples, the early church disciples in our text. Now, there's three things that we need to lay down in our hearts this morning, the three characteristics of the Spirit-filled testimony. Number one, there is a clarifying of belief. That's the first point. You know and I know that, uh, that I am spirit-filled and that my, my, my life is run and dominated and controlled by the Spirit when there is a clarity in our belief. Okay? And look at uh, verses, um, verse, we, we begin with verse 8. Scripture says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel... If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you. Whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, that's an amazing turn of event. Uh, just a few days before, when Jesus was crucified, the disciples were scattered. They were hiding they were afraid that they too will be arrested and crucified, okay? And so they started hiding. They abandoned Jesus. Jesus was crucified. After three days, Jesus rose from the dead. And then they saw Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Go and wait for the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, and you shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. 
It's amazing that by the time this miracle that took place in the book of Acts, the healing of a, of a lame man from birth, that became uh, the, the turning point in the lives of the disciples. The establishment were, were very concerned that they were preaching this message and they're backing up their message with miracles. They were getting threatened. What made the difference? Just a few days before, the disciples were hiding. They didn't have the guts to stand for what they believed. But as soon as the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, that was the game changer for the disciples. They were never the same again. Remember that whole story in the book of Acts. They were hiding in the upper room. And the Spirit of God came. It's actually in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. Let me just read portions of it. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were in that whole area uh, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who were speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us Here's them in our native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and those converted to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the, what? the wonders of God in our own I want you to catch this this morning. Days before, the disciples were cowering in fear, and now they were proclaiming the gospel, not only with conviction, but with clarity. And they were doing it in the hearing of everyone around them. Okay? The Spirit filled them, and they spoke in tongues. Now, you know, every time you hear the word speaking in tongues, you know, we make too much of a controversy about that. Okay, and, and we should not. I want us to take a look at the more important aspects of what's going on when the Holy Spirit came down and the disciples spoke in tongues. Okay, it's very clear that just days before they were not clear about what to believe because they were hiding. They believed in Jesus, but they didn't have that, the whole picture until the Holy Spirit came and filled them. And when the Spirit of God filled them, you know what the first sign that the Spirit used? Words. Words. Okay? How do we know we are filled with the Spirit? We can articulate what we believe. And that's exactly what Peter did. Peter said to, the, to, the, to those who, who were persecuting them because of the great miracle they performed, he said, I want you to know that the Jesus you crucified on the cross is the one responsible for this. Because there's no other name in heaven, on earth, or under the earth by which we can be saved only by the name of Jesus. That's clarity. A few days before, they were just afraid. They didn't know what to believe. But when the Spirit of God filled them, all of a sudden they have clarity. They know what they believe. The question for us today is, do we know what we believe? If you do not know what you believe as a Christian, you need to be filled with the Spirit. 
And when the Spirit of God came down on the day of Pentecost, it's not, it's not um, strange that the Spirit of God used language, used words. The language that these disciples were speaking when they were filled with the Holy Spirit were the languages of the people that were around them. They spoke in different tongues. And what's the purpose of that? To be able for them to be used by God to articulate the same gospel message they heard in the hearing of those who do not know the gospel yet. That's very important. That's one of the most important aspects of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're clear as to what we believe. We know the word of Christ. And that only happens when we are filled with the Spirit of God. That's the first sign that you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit. We know what we believe. When someone asks you, who is Jesus? Are you going to be able to describe and articulate what you know about who Jesus is? I mean, that's a question that I ask myself. Somebody comes up to me and says, why do you believe in Jesus? I need to have an answer. Just like Peter had an answer. You need to have an answer. Just like the disciples of old. Our, our, our faith is an ancient faith. Christianity was not discovered a few years ago. This was established thousands of years ago. What the disciples believed then, we believe now. How they articulated their faith then, we articulated now. We may have different methods. We may have different ways of doing it. But our message must be clear. There is no other name by which people can be saved but only by the name of Jesus. That's it. That's our message. Jesus is the incarnate Son of God. Okay, the second person in the triune God. Don't ask me about explaining to you the Trinity. I can't explain it to you with satisfaction. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the Bible speaks of it all over the place. The term itself isn't there, but we can apprehend it through the stories in the Bible. We know that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he lived the sinless life that none of us can live. So that when he went to the cross and died, he paid for the penalty of our sin. That if we believe in him, we will not perish and have everlasting life. We know that from John 3.16. And how do we know that he proved to be the one that he said, uh, to be the one and only true Savior? He rose from the dead. That's how he validated it. And that's what Peter and the early disciples had to proclaim. And they did not just proclaim it in their own language with their own people. The Spirit of God enabled them to speak the same message to those who are watching them. Okay? So that's the first sign that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are clear as to what we believe and why we believe it, and we can articulate that. Do you have any doubts about your faith in Jesus? Can you testify without fear? as to why you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. If not, don't be distressed, but you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Okay? You're going to have to, and I'm going to have to go and ask the Spirit of God to fill me. Because that's where the power comes from. Okay? Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And I want you to know that every Christian must be committed uh, to studying the Word of God. I mean, you know, we've heard that many, many times. Prayer is great, but prayer divorced from 
scripture study isn't going to be that effective. The two come together. They have to come together. Praying and studying the scriptures are the two disciplines that will help us articulate our faith. And we're not doing it alone. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. Amen? That's what the scripture says. And I know it's basic. I know every time you come to church, pastors always pound on this point. But we live in a day and age when Christianity is being marginalized because, not because people don't want to believe, but because those who believe do not have a grip on what it is that we truly believe in. You know, this comes from us. The commission was given to the church. It wasn't given to just anybody else. If you call on the name of the Lord, you are part of that commission. I am part of that. We need to be able to articulate that and live it out. Because that's the first sign that we are filled with the Spirit of God. There's clarity in what we believe. Clear, unadulterated understanding of why we believe in Jesus. Our circumstances no longer dictate why we believe and what we believe. It's Jesus himself. In the midst of trials, you know you and I can stand because we're clear in our belief. Tribulations and, 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 and distress can come. And we know that we can stand because we know, we know what we believe. Timothy, uh, Paul told Timothy this in 2 Timothy. He says, Paul says to him, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. Paul was saying, no matter what happens to me, whatever circumstances come my way, I know whom I have believed. I know what Jesus started in my life. I know what Christ has done. And I am convinced, I am convinced that he is able to sustain me and carry me through until I see him face to face. And that should be a testimony of our life. There's a clarity of belief. But there's a second characteristic of a Holy Spirit-filled testimony of life, okay? And that is, number two, we have the courage to be bold. Not just a, a clarity of belief, but courage to be bold. Boldness is part of being a follower of Jesus. We're characterized. The spirit-filled life is characterized by boldness. I'm not talking about obnoxious boldness, you know, carrying placards on the street and saying, come to Jesus or go to hell. I'm not talking about that kind of boldness. You know, those are crazy people. Jesus never said, you're going to be obnoxious. Jesus never said that your testimony will be, um, you know, uh, weird or strange. You and I will be persecuted when we make a stand for Christ, but we don't have to be weird about it. We need to be truthful about our testimony. And to be truthful requires boldness. Look at verses, uh, uh, you know, beginning verse 12 to 17. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they, had, uh, they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that those disciples had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when, but when they had commanded them to go, as, uh, to go aside out of the council, they conferred, conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. And from, that, and from now on, 
they speak to no man in this name. Okay? See, see, here's the thing about this whole situation. Peter and the other disciples, Peter and John actually, performed a miracle in front of everybody. Now, I don't know about you, but if I see a miracle, if I knew someone who's been lame from birth or blind from birth, some, some spectacular miracle happened, my instinct is to simply believe, right? I mean, I, mean, I would believe. I mean, it, there wouldn't be any, any, any trouble. But just to show you how hard the hearts peop of people can be, these guys couldn't deny that there was a miracle that had been performed before them. They couldn't deny it. They know the people saw the miracle. It was authenticated. It was 100% a supernatural event, but it didn't matter. It wasn't the miracle that was threatening them. It was the message being proclaimed with boldness by the disciples. It's very clear. They want to shut them up. Why? Because if these disciples continue to proclaim the name of Jesus with boldness, the establishment, the religious establishment of the time, would lose control of their hold on people. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.